Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome on in Eagles fans to a special reaction hot take episode of the No Huddle Show. I'm Joe Giglio, joined as always by Elliot Shore Parks, Matt Lombardo. They cover the Eagles for NJ Advanced Media. We're a, a little less than a week removed from the Eagles going down to Carolina and knocking off the Panthers to move to 5-1. and one, An impressive victory. The Eagles right now in the eyes of Vegas, in the eyes of probably many of you, are the NFC favorites. We'll talk about that. Get a lot of your reaction from Twitter, from our email, and, and look forward here to what now seems like a much different season than we thought. Elliot, let's start with you. I mean, we've had a couple days to kind of um, decompress after what was just an incredible win for the Eagles. Thursday night football, the refs were against them, injuries were against them, road, short week, and yet here the Eagles are. And as week six played out, I know, Elliot, you wrote about it with Rodgers' injury, but it just felt like everything came up Eagles over the last four or five days. Yeah, I mean, I think coming off that Carolina game when me and Matt did the reaction pod um, from the Panther Stadium, we both said, you know, this is a team that it's hard to see who is better than them in the NFC. That's not to say that they're going to, you know, go to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl. But when you just simply look at the rosters of the rest of the league, how the Eagles are playing and compare them to other teams, it's hard to see a better team. And then on Sunday, you have... Aaron Rodgers go down. You have the Falcons um, lose to the Dolphins and Matt Ryan have another tough game. And things just look even more wide open now for the Eagles. So, you know, I'm not saying they're going to make the Super Bowl. I'm not saying it's a lock. But at this point, if you're the Eagles, I mean, talk about how much expectations have changed. Uh, You know, before the season, if you would have told me they went, they won nine games, I would have said that was a good year, depending on how Wentz played. Now they already have five and Wentz is an MVP candidate. So their biggest challenge is just going to be keeping it up. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how they handle being the top dog now. Something they haven't really been since, I mean, maybe Chip Kelly's first year. But I think even that's a stretch. So it's definitely a new role for them. Yeah, Elliot, I, I actually talked to Malcolm Jenkins about that in the locker room of Bank of America Stadium. And he said that he's been on teams that handle success really well, that, you know, ride that momentum and, and they continue to grow and build and develop together and take that one week at a time attitude. And then there are teams that basically don't handle that success very well, and they crater under the weight of it. And, and I think that th- this is a real interesting dichotomy, because you have a second-year quarterback who's played in 23 or 24 games in a locker room that is all of a sudden filled with some pretty strong leaders who have won Super Bowls, like Chris Long, like LeGarrette Blunt. So watching this team continue to develop over the next you know, 10, 11, 12 games, it's going to be really interesting to see how this thing plays out, because this is a scenario, as you said, this team, this organization hasn't found itself under in a very long time. And I, I think one of the reasons I feel confident they'll be able to, or, or at least I don't think it's going to be a huge issue, is the quarterback. I mean, yeah, I know Carson Wentz when he played at North Dakota State. That wasn't exactly Alabama. But he's used to this situation of going into games being favorites, being the team everyone wants to beat, knowing what it takes every week to, to get your team up and ready against an opponent that a lot of people feel you should beat. So 
I think, you know, when you talk to the players and you're just in the locker room, you can tell how much of an influence Carson Wentz and his personality has over this team. And I think his uh, his experience being in this role of being the top dog going into a game. I mean, like this Monday night, I think everyone expects him to beat the Redskins um, going into games like that and winning and, you know, winning consistently, I do think is going to help. There, there's a, usually a theme, guys, of teams like we have this feeling where teams in the NFL play better late. Right. There's that always feeling like you get hot, you get in the playoffs and you make a run. But I feel like the last couple of years have been the other way. I think Howie Roseman was trying to make this point last year when he was saying, well, we have to gun for the number one seed. We have to get a buy. I don't think he thought this year, but that's what he was saying. I look at it, Matt, and the last few years around this time of the season, you look up at the standings and you had a snapshot of who was going to be there in the end. Maybe not necessarily won the Super Bowl, but played deep into January, played in the title game, played in the Super Bowl, or maybe won the Super Bowl. Uh, Denver and Seattle had the best records of the year that they got off to their hot start. They played in the Super Bowl. Last year, Atlanta and New England were you know, fairly ranked high and, and had good records to this point in the season. Where do you lie with that? There's that feeling of it's too early, like they're peaking too early. And then there's the reality of the last three, four years, the teams that have gotten off to the best starts have been the teams that are there in the end. Yeah, I agree. And I remember... Joe and Elliot back when Andy Reid was the head coach of this team. And every year, like clockwork, the calendar turned in November and the Eagles would rattle off a four or five, six game winning streak in the month of November and December. And that would either distance themselves from the rest of the division or kind of lead them on that comeback charge to the playoffs. And I think there is something to be said for peaking at the right time. But let's not lose sight of this schedule. The right time for them in December that's when the games get toughest. That's when you have the Cowboys on the road. That's when you have the Seahawks on the road. You have to go and play a top 15 quarterback in Jared Goff and the Rams who are making a charge in the NFC West. You have to play the Raiders at home on Christmas night with Derek Carr back and healthy. And you might have to close out the division at home against the Cowboys in week 17. So while I agree that the teams that go on to make playoff runs typically peak late in the year, I think the Eagles have acquitted themselves really nicely by tucking away some insurance victories. Think about their record right now. They're 5-1 and one overall. They're undefeated in conference play. They're 2-0 and oh in the division. And they have very, very winnable games coming up against the Redskins, against the Niners, and against the Bears. You sweep those three and you, at worst, split with the Broncos and the Redskins. You're sitting at, what? Nine and two, eight and two at that point in the, in, in the, the season with the month of November and December still to come. So I, I put some stock in finishing strong, but I put a lot of stock in the fact that they've positioned themselves very nicely compared to the rest of the NFC in terms of tiebreakers and head to heads against teams. They're going to be competing for not just to make the postseason, but potentially as far as seeding and buys and home field goes. Yeah, I, so I think they, the, pre- the pressure for that is going to be on Doug, in my opinion, um, just because, I mean, we saw last year they got off to the hot, the hot start. I mean, granted, that was only three games, but they were four and two last year at one point. So six games in, they weren't that far off from what they were this um, from what they are this year. And I'm not saying the complete reason they fell apart last year was coaching. Um, obviously, the, the loss of Lane and Carson wasn't playing at as high of a level. But I do think there's something to be said for the fact that the league saw got more tapes of Doug, Doug's offense, and I don't think he adjusted well. It'll be interesting to see if this year, you know, after uh, six games again, if he's able to keep that up. Um, as far what as you say, though, Elliot, that the schedule gets much tougher late when you have to go to Seattle, go to L.A., play the Raiders, and play the Cowboys. Isn't that not the yeah, well, toughest well, that, stretch well, of the, the year? 
That, 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 no, I agree. That is a tough stretch. And I think peaking at the right time, I guess there's something to that. But I think this team is still in a point where every win's a good win for them. And they just need to rack up as many as they can because we saw last year they're capable of going on a real slump. Um, and getting five wins for in the conference is obviously huge. I'm not as, as high on the Rams as you are, but I, that is a much tougher game than, than it appeared to be at the, beginning of this, at the beginning of the season. So, I mean, but at the same time, the Giants game looks like it might be a little bit easier. Um, but I, yeah, do I feel like that. things are, are coming up their way. I mean, Matt, you mentioned the schedule, and I'm just looking at it right now. It's Redskins, 49ers, Broncos, three in a row at home. They, and then they have a trip to Dallas on Sunday, November 19th, where Ezekiel Elliott might not play. And they After come to the right, bye week, too. Which is right. huge. That's right. The bye week. So the bye week is November 12th. So they have three home games, a bye week at Dallas. Come right home November 26th to face the Bears. They leave Philadelphia once between now and whenever you guys fly out to Seattle in the first weekend. December 1st. It's crazy. I mean, yeah, they, they, I think what really separates them as far as being favorites to win the conference. I'm not saying win the conference to go to the Super Bowl, but I mean win the conference to get the first seed and home field throughout the playoffs is their remaining schedule. And I wrote about this on Monday with the current playoff picture of their NFC opponents, just the games against NFC competition, which hold much more weight in terms of tiebreakers and in terms of conference standings and division standings, the Eagles have eight games left. And the combined record of those opponents is 15 and 24. So you're talking about a group of opponents that's nine games under 500. You look at the Vikings, 21 and 23 is the record of their remaining NFC opponents. You look at the Panthers, their remaining opponents, 18 and 15. The Rams, 19 and 15. So of the teams that are currently in the thick of things in this playoff race, you can make an argument that while the Eagles have some some brutally tough games against teams like the Seahawks and the Rams and the Raiders, Those games against the Niners, those games against the Bears, those games against even Washington, those are games you have to win because that sets you up to have a little bit of insurance if you do stumble along the way, if you do lose to Seattle or you do lose to a a team like the Rams on the road, the second of a back-to-back West Coast swing. So the road is set up probably the most favorably for them, but they've also done themselves a really big favor, and Chris Long talked about this, by winning these games in September before it gets cold, before four teams really start beating up on each other in December. Yeah, they, they banked the wins. I mean, I, th- I, I thought three and three at the point they are now would have been, they've been in good shape because they have a favorable schedule coming up. They already have five. So Elliot, before we get to all our reaction and all the, the people tweeting in and emailing us right after the game on Thursday, where do we stand on this? Because this is the, the talking point that everyone's been saying really Thursday night started it, but then watching the way the NFL played out on Sunday with the Falcons blowing a big lead, with Rodgers going down, all the stories with Ezekiel Elliott and looking like the Cowboys really might lose him for an extended period, including the Eagle game. The story and the question is, are the Eagles the NFC favorite? Uh, I say they are. It doesn't mean they're going to get to the Super Bowl, but if I had to peg a favorite right now, uh, I think they're the best team in the NFC. So I think they are the best team right now in the NFC. I think just the combination of Wentz's play, the way the defense is playing. Um, I'm not as sold on the running game as other people, but I do think that they're the most well-rounded team in the NFC. They're playing the best. Um, are they the favorite? I mean, off the record, off the roster, I would say yes. But again, as, as confident as I am that Carson Wentz will step up in these big games come playoff time and all that, you just never know. And I mean, winning winning playoff games is, is a lot different than the regular season. Now, I will say that in general, quarterbacks that 
win win a Super Bowl of, the, of the, all the quarterbacks that have won a Super Bowl since the year 2000. The average year, if you take away Dilfer and uh, Brad Johnson from the Bucks, the average year they do it in is in their third year. So, I mean, there is a the, the idea that Carson Wentz is too young to win a Super Bowl. I don't think is true. Um, I mean, a lot of guys won in their second year. Russell Wilson, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Tom Brady won in his first year. So, I mean, it, Wentz can do it, but I do think the last kind of hurdle for this team in terms of me saying, all right, anything but a trip to the NFC Championship game and maybe the Super Bowl is unacceptable is the fact that they have not played in these playoff games. Um, I, you know, if they played a team like Seattle, if they came to Philly, I guess I'd pick the Eagles, but that's a lot of playoff experience on the other side. Um, if Rodgers comes back, uh, obviously that's an issue. I mean, depending on if they're even eligible for the playoffs, but I think they have the best roster. But if you ask me right now, do I think the Eagles make the Super Bowl? I mean, that's a lot tougher of a question. I would probably have to lean no. Matt, where do you stand on the NFC hierarchy right now? And as far as the Eagles and their status as a favorite, which Vegas uh, has, depending on where you look, a 10 to 1 odds Eagles NFC favorite right now. Yeah, yeah, Joe, I, I kind of split this into two categories. Are, are they the favorite to win the conference and win home field advantage through the playoffs and have the number one seed? I, I think absolutely. I, I don't know that there's another team that has set themselves up better and has an easier path to the number one seed in the playoffs than the Eagles do. And I think that anything short of a first round bye in a division championship at this juncture, after the way they've started and what they have in front of them, I think it consider it a disappointment. Do I think that they're the favorite to go to the Super Bowl? I'm not ready to go there yet for all of the reasons that Elliot outlined. Number one, there are a lot of playoff tested teams. There are a lot of legitimate, well-established franchise quarterbacks who have gone to and won Super Bowls in this conference that playing on the road, playing at home, I don't know that it matters. Now, if the Eagles are the number one seed and the first round opponent is the Detroit Lions, do I think the Eagles win that game? Yeah, I, I think it's it comes down to maybe a final drive because I think Matthew Stafford is playing some of the best football of his career and the Lions are kind of sneaky good at the moment. Do I think that if the the Drew Brees led Saints come into the link in the first playoff game or uh, a team like the Packers coming back with Aaron Rodgers or Seattle if they come into the link I, I don't know that the Eagles win that football game because again those are battle tested quarterbacks with really good defenses and they're playing complimentary football which I have to give the Eagles a lot of credit for they're doing that as well right now the reason that they're in a position to win the number one seed is exactly what they did on Thursday night the defense forced three turnovers and the offense converted it into 17 points. That's what the Packers do. That's what the Patriots do. That's what the Steelers do. That's how you win Super Bowls. But until this team does it, until they win a playoff game, until they show you that in that situation of the NFL playoffs, that they can be as successful as they were in the first week of October, I have a hard time saying that they're the clear-cut favorite to go to the Super Bowl. So I think just off of that, if you said to me, all right, here's how the season ended. And I had to say whether it was a disappointment or not. To me, the only thing that would be a disappointment would be if this team didn't make the playoffs. Um, I think they should be. I think they should win the division. I think they're set up nicely to get a to get a top two seed. But 
again, this is a team that won seven games last year, has a second-year quarterback, second-year head coach. I mean, I don't think they should be expected to win 12 games this year, which really, I mean, it might not take 12 maybe games. Not, maybe not in August they shouldn't have been, but when you start 5-1 and one and the Cowboys lose Ezekiel Elliott potentially for six games and the Eagles have a two-game cushion over them, and if the Giants are uh, dead in the water at 1-5, and five, I don't know how not winning the division and after you set yourself up at five and one, not getting a bye week in the playoffs. I don't know how you can't look at that based on what they've played their way into and say, you know, because that was disappointing because winning, winning these games and look, the Panthers game was a phenomenal win. There's a great win. No denying that. And it showed that they at least are capable of going into opposing team stadiums, winning these big games, but they still have played a schedule that isn't that great. Um, but I mean, I just think there's a difference between winning these games now. And as you said, you know, at Seattle, Oakland at home, um, Dallas, uh, I mean, uh, the Rams again, I think should be a game they should win, but they still have some, some tough games coming up in December when it is, I mean, the Carolina Panthers game, we were, we were both there. It felt at points like a playoff atmosphere, but these games are going to be huge come December time. And look, I think they're capable of winning it, but if the Eagles finish, 10 and six and win the division and they play, you know, 500 football the rest of the season. I'm still considering that a success because if you go in your second year and you win the division, then I think that 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 is a good year. And I agree. Maybe expectations have changed a little bit, but I think the only thing that should have changed is what, what they're capable of doing. Not so much what we should expect them to do in terms of, you know, it being a failure. I mean, if they finish 10 and six and they open the playoffs round one as division champs, you would consider that a disappointment. No, no. I think that if you win the division, that, that that is mission accomplished. I think that, you know, not winning the division at this stage is a failure. And I think that their record based on the rest of the conference and, and the conference wins they already have, I think that's going to put you in a position to get a buy. I'd agree with what both of you are saying. And the only caveat I would throw in there, and I don't expect this to happen, is if the Redskins somehow reeled off a 12 win season, you know, just out of nowhere and the Eagles won 11, I'm not going to say, Oh, they had a disappointing season because they didn't win the division. But I don't think any of us expect that to happen. If the Eagles get to 11, they're going to win this division. Most likely. Yeah, I just think at the beginning of the season, we all would have said a trip to the playoffs under any capacity would have been a successful year. Yeah, I agree. And so I I played themselves into different expectations. So they've played themselves into a different tier based on how they've started, not just the record, but the way they've won that they've shown after going, what were they two and six on the road last year? They they've gone on the road. I think one one and seven and they've beaten the, the chargers in a de facto home game and they've beaten the Redskins on the road and they've beaten Carolina on the road. They were one and seven in games decided by one score or less. They've won what now three of those games so far in the first six weeks, they've blown teams out. They've won in every scenario imaginable. And that's why I think that you look at this team through a completely different scope than the one that you looked at last year and the way that you viewed this team coming into this year. I guess. I just think that if this team makes the playoffs, it's a successful year, in my opinion. Um, I mean, look, if they if they start out at nine and one and then they limp into the playoffs, maybe you view it a little differently. But I just think if at the beginning of the year I said that they're uh, a successful year would have been a trip to the playoffs. I agree. I think that that's still a successful year. Um, I agree that. They're, I now think that they have the potential to go further than I did before, but I still think if this team is playing in the postseason, no matter what happens from there on out, you view this as a successful year. And then next year, their third year, I think that's when you really say, okay, this is a team that should be expected to win 11 games and compete for a first round bye.
All right, guys, let's get to some of our reaction, uh, hot take reaction. Hashtag the no huddle show. Um, a lot came in on Carson Wentz right after the game. And Carson was incredible on Thursday night. He's now in the MVP discussion. I think he and, and the way he's playing is part of the reason why people are dreaming here. Uh, I think one of you mentioned um, Ben Roethlisberger and Russell Wilson. It was you, Matt, that they won Super Bowls in their second year. It so, was Elliott. Yeah, Elliott, right. So, point, yeah. it, you know, it could happen. We've, you mentioned, right, third year average for quarterbacks since 2000. So that's a big part of this. The, the rise of Carson Wentz kind of changes expectation. Here's some of the reaction we got. Uh, this is an interesting question. At JB's 23, will Wentz be better in his second year than McNabb was in his second year? And he said 11 and 5, 20 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, 3,300 yards, one playoff win. I don't have all of Wentz's on pace numbers in front of me, but he's going to blow the yards out of the water. He's probably going to blow the touchdowns out of the water. Maybe interceptions are close. Eleven and five in a playoff win. It's it's an interesting question, Elliot. He might he might have a better second year than Donovan, and and obviously that started off Donovan's run of of being one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, I mean, I will say that just when you simply look at numbers, it's a little tough to compare just because it's so it's a it's a passing league now, right. and it wasn't really in Donovan. I mean, Donovan's second year was in two thousand. Um, I was. 14 or 13 so I'm not going to sit here and act like I remember breaking down how Donovan did that year in terms of his technique but I think Carson Wentz is ahead of where a lot of people thought he would be in his second year and I think that I would find it hard to believe if McNabb was playing at a higher level his second year than Wentz is right now um, just because of how good Wentz is before the snap how how good he is at reading defenses his accuracy has been great his decision making and one thing you can really compare them to is I mean, McNabb was famous for not throwing a lot of interceptions, and Wentz has shown that. I mean, I know last year he had 14 and 16 games, but this year he only has three. Two of those came on tip passes at the line of scrimmage. Um, so he's done a great job not putting the ball in harm's way, and I think that's something that you don't traditionally see with young quarterbacks. So that is something where if you wanted to compare him to McNabb, I think that that's an area where they're very similar. Yeah, I remember before the year started, guys, and I said that it would be a disappointment in terms of Carson Wentz's development if he didn't throw for 33 or so touchdowns and 14 or so interceptions. And I know, Elliot, you and I went back and forth, and you said that to call that a disappointment would be a little over the top, and maybe it was. But if we just look at where Carson Wentz is after six games, he's on pace to throw 35 touchdowns, eight interceptions, 4,224 yards. And I agree with Elliot that it's it, you can't really compare the two leagues because when Donovan played, it was so much more about having that complimentary running game. It was even more valuable back then. Not to mention Donovan was throwing to Charles Johnson and Torrance Small. Didn't really have that great of a supporting cast. Didn't have Brian Westbrook yet. Didn't have the complete offensive line that he ended up having. But Carson Wentz, in his second year, on pace for over 4,000 yards, 35 touchdowns and eight interceptions. Hey, look, that 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 is an incredible leap from where he was a year ago and beyond just the numbers guys. I remember last year, some poor decisions Carson Wentz made. I remember him sailing balls over the middle where it didn't matter who the receiver was. The pass was just off target. I remember Zach Ertz not really becoming a factor in the red zone until probably after that Cincinnati game, when that became a point of emphasis in offensive meetings, how to get Ertz more involved as a, as a, as a weapon. 
Wentz this year has improved in every aspect of that. His decision-making is on point. There are so few and far between passes that make you scratch your head. He's using his full complement of weapons. And, you know, he's showing you, despite some areas where he could still get better, that he's already a, a franchise and potentially even elite quarterback after 24 games. He is. And he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL so far this season. If there is one thing to worry about. I think one of our Twitter reactions uh, said it well, and I think this person at Tom G Post, Elliot, probably speaks for a lot of people. Wentz makes me wince when he lowers his shoulder. This had to be referencing when he tried to get into the end zone, which on one hand you love because that was the kind of play that just epitomizes how tough the kid is and he wants to get in the end zone. He wants to score. Uh, The other hand, he does take a lot of hits. There was the one play, Elliot, I think you put up a screenshot of it I saw recently. Yeah. Um, and it looked like his arm broke on that play in real time when I was watching it. He was obviously okay. He takes a lot of hits. He's not afraid of contact. The guy I thought of during the game the other night when I was watching him make these plays was Steve McNair, who used to yeah. used to do the same thing. And he would play through injuries, and he was tough as nails. But, it, you know, it, it, it made him constantly banged up, and I never thought he was 100%. Uh, Elliot, how about this worry with Wentz, who's not afraid of contact and – I'm just that's the worry I have is that he's going to get mm-hmm. himself hurt at some point. Yeah, I mean, look, if Wentz goes down, this Eagles season is over. And if he suffers a, a major injury, the entire franchise outlook is different. So obviously, all fans have a reason to be worried about him getting hit. Um, look, I mean, the guy takes contact. Uh, I tweeted out that one of the reasons, though, he was voted a team captain in the second year is he is willing to lower his shoulder and fight for those extra yards. He is a tough guy and teammates respect that. Um, Aaron Rodgers got hurt last Sunday on a base, a pretty basic throw rolling out of the pocket. I mean, guys are going to get hurt. This just is what it is. Wentz hasn't really shown he's injury prone per se. I mean, he didn't miss any games last year. Hasn't been hurt this year. He's a big, sturdy, strong guy. And that's why he went number two is, I mean, obviously his physical skills, but just his size. I mean, he's, he's a strong guy. So look, if he gets hurt, it's going to be a big deal. I don't think I'm – I'm not in a position to try to change the way he plays and to tell him to not lower his shoulder into a cornerback in that situation. If you want to tell him to run out of bounds, you know, to, to get seven yards instead of eight on the side of the field in the first quarter, fine. All right. But in a game like Thursday night where the Eagles need a win, um, you know, it's a big statement game. I want my quarterback lowering his shoulder in that situation, especially when you're a guy like Wentz. Matt, what are your – What's your take on this? I mean, it is a it's always one of those things. We have a quarterback like this. You don't want to take that out of him. But at the same time, there's only so many hits a quarterback could take. No, I'm I'm with you, Joe. There are only so many hits a quarterback can take. And watching that game last week, the amount of hits that Carson Wentz took in the pocket when he was getting sacked, what, three times in the first half and taking some hits after he threw the ball, the, the the. The reason franchise quarterbacks are franchise quarterbacks are because they're consistently available and they perform at a high level. I mean, we go from talking about the Packers being a favorite to win the NFC, maybe even win the conference and home field throughout the playoffs, maybe go further than that because of Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is arguably, along with Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback walking the planet right now. You take him out of that lineup and the Packers are a fringe playoff team at best, no no matter who the quarterback is. So I look at Wentz the other night and you got to limit the contact. I get it that he's a tough kid and, and that he can take a hit and that's why you drafted him and he's a big physical bodied guy. 
but it, it's almost senseless to take those unnecessary hits. I get it. It's a tight game. You wanted to make plays, but I think there's something to be said for limiting the contact outside of the pocket because all it takes is one shot. All it takes is one hit and a separated shoulder or a broken collarbone or a broken arm, and he could be on the shelf for the rest of the year. The season outlook looks different, and who knows how that plays in terms of his development going forward coming back from the injury. Yeah, I mean, look, I agree with that, but I guess the point I'm making is that hit can happen at any time on any play. I mean, even if he has, you know, he's going to get hit. The Eagles can't game plan or right. protect well enough that he's not going to get hit. And I just think when you look at what he's done to this locker room, how hard he the team's playing, a lot of the reason is because they believe in him. I'm right with him taking those chances at the end because, you know, you can't play not to get hurt. That just is what it is. Like, he's going to get hit. And I, I think, think it's, different, you know, it's different to say don't lower your shoulder and fight for extra yards there than it is playing not to get hurt. I mean, you, you can slide, you can throw it away. There, my point is there isn't always a play to be made that is more risk-reward to the risk being losing him for a prolonged period of time. But I guess what I'm saying is, is in a game like Thursday night where he's running towards the end zone in a playoff-type atmosphere, a cornerback – is in his way that he's bigger than, I mean, he's bigger than uh, the guy he took on. I agree. You know, if you're running towards out of bounds and I think Wentz has been better at this. Um, there was even a situation, I believe it was against the Cardinals where he was running um, towards the first down marker and he hopped out a little early to avoid contact. And I, I think they ended up not getting the first down. So he, he has been smart in certain capacities. I'm just saying that I, I don't, I, if I'm the Eagles, I don't ever want to see Wentz not lower his shoulder like that in that situation, because that's that's the type of guy that you want leading your team, and I, I'm all right with it in, in that instance. Um, yeah, you have to be smart sometimes, but you also have to – you want a guy that's competitive in that spot. And that, that type of play gets the Eagles fired up, and I, I'm okay with it. If he got hurt on that play, I would have said that's a shame, but I wouldn't have killed him for lowering his shoulder. It's an interesting debate because, uh, Elliot, I'm, I'm mostly with you. You, you don't want to take the – take something out of Carson Wentz that makes him Carson Wentz. But at the same time, when you said you can't, you know, play not to get hurt, I mean, Tom Brady and Eli and Peyton kind of did play like that throughout but their But they're career. not athletes. They're, they're, they don't have the component of Wentz's game. They don't. Um, right. You're right. But they played not to get hurt. Whenever there was a hit coming, they would just drop to the ground, and they all played, you know, forever. I mean, they, they started 200 200- basically 200 games in a row at different points mm-hmm. of their career, those three quarterbacks. Meanwhile, I, and I mentioned McNair. I'm looking at his numbers now. He lasted 12 years, and he played 16 games only four times. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think we're kind of like in the middle with Wentz, where I could see it going either way. I hope he play, plays his whole career, but he keeps playing like he did on Thursday. I just I don't think well, he can. But I'll, I'll also say that we can debate you know, whether he should stop it or whatever, but – He's, it's just, he is who he is. I mean, I remember when Michael Vick was here yep. and every week there were stories about, he's got to learn to slide and right. Vick would say, all right, I'm going to stop taking contact. I know I need to be smart, but in the heat of the moment, especially a primetime game like that, the player's instincts are going to take over. So, I mean, Brady, yeah, I agree. I mean, th- those guys have clearly, you know, I mean, I will say Wentz hasn't missed a game yet either for what it's worth. So maybe he's just able to take those type of hits and he's not lowering his shoulder every week. That's just one play. Um, I can't really think of another example where, other than the quarterback sneaks, where he's like unnecessarily taken on contact. I can't either. Not on purpose. I mean, he may hold the ball too long in the pocket, but that's not, you know, he's not inviting right. contact. It's just yeah, all those other quarterbacks you mentioned get hit like that, too. Right. All right. Let's uh, let's look forward a little bit here. A couple more reactions uh, that came in. Hashtag the No Huddle Show. Joe Relamore, at Joe Relamore, what is this defense going to look like? 
once Ronald Darby and Sidney Jones get healthy, uh, we'll throw this one to you, Elliot, because hashtag fire emoji was the end of that uh, there you go. So that, that's, that's that tweet there. So, yeah, I mean, the Eagles' defense played tremendous on Thursday. They played really well against the, the Cardinals. And I think people are starting to get excited because they're looking forward to reinforcements possibly coming. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't think this defense is going to look that much different when, when Ronald Darby, Darby comes back. I think Darby's good. But I've never thought Darby is as good as other people do. He was average last year in Buffalo. And I think but most of the reason I'm saying this is because I think the cornerbacks have played better than I thought. I mean, I understand. Look, I understand why when Ronald Darby comes back, he's going to be a starting corner. Like, I get that. And I don't think I don't think Sidney Jones will just because he's a rookie. But I understand that you can make the argument the best two cornerbacks on this roster are Darby and uh, and Jones. But I think. I mean, how if you're the defensive coordinator, how can you look at how can you look Jalen Mills in the eyes and tell him he's benched? I mean, I'm not saying he's been perfect, but he he's stepped up big in big spots. I think he's played well overall. Rasul Douglas has played well. Um, I don't think cornerback play has been an issue for this team. I mean, they're five and one, so obviously there hasn't, there hasn't been a ton of issues, but there haven't there hasn't really been a game yet where I, I could look and say the cornerbacks are just getting torched throughout the whole thing. I mean, maybe the Chargers game, but I, I just think that Ronald Darby, first of all, he's going to be coming back off of a long hiatus. He's coming back to a team where he only really had three weeks beforehand, so he's not really used to playing with them. I don't think that when Ronald Darby comes back, it's going to make that big of an impact because the defense in the secondary is already playing at a high level. Matt, where do you feel? Where, where do you land on this? I mean, I could see an impact happening just because they have more talent. They could they could spread things around and they could withstand injury. At the same time, these guys have played much better than I thought. The way Elliot's uh, articulating there. Yeah, I think that they've they've survived for sure. And they, you know, outside of Kansas City and outside of Los Angeles, they didn't really you know, get burned all that often this year. But Rasul Douglas has gambled and lost on a couple of plays that could have been much worse had a receiver not dropped a ball or had there not been safety help over the top. I could easily see Ronald Darby comes back and they they put Patrick Rob they leave Patrick Robinson out there. They put Rasul Douglas on the bench and they play Ronald Darby because A, he's the veteran. Yeah, B, I think, I think he's I think he's more talented at this stage than Rasul Douglas. And I don't think that the defensive coaching staff wanted to play Douglas anywhere near as early as he's played. He's exceeded a lot of expectations, but I think when Darby gets healthy, he's going to be back out there and he's going to give them a boost. Listen, they haven't played against Des Bryant yet. They haven't played against uh, Derek Carr throwing the ball to Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper. They haven't played against uh, Sammy Watkins and the Rams. Like They haven't played against some of the premier wide receivers that are left on this schedule. So I think that having Darby back is going to have a pretty big impact on the secondary. But let's not remember, I mean, let's not forget in, in week one, Ronald Darby got beat deep by Terrell Pryor in the end zone and had Pryor not dropped it, it would have been a touchdown. So I, I, I just think that every look, corner yeah. gets beat though. I mean, we can okay, point but, to Jalen Mills getting beat by Odell Beckham Jr. We can point to Rasul Douglas trying to jump a route and it turns into a 15 yard gain. I mean, it happens to every corner. It was one play. So right. I'm, well, not well, saying, I'm, saying I'm not saying that, that Ronald Darby is Rasul du- is uh, Darrell Rivas in his prime, but I think he's an upgrade over Rasul Douglas. And I think that's going to help them when they face some of the more accomplished receivers in this league. Yeah, I, I think when if you told me before the season, would he be an upgrade over Rasul Douglas? I would say yeah. But I, based off of how Rasul Douglas has played, I don't see Ronald Darby coming in and being a significant upgrade. And for as much mm-hmm. as Ronald Darby brings with speed, there, there's plays that he makes because of his physical size that I don't think Ronald Darby 
I'm not saying he can't make, but is it less likely to make? I mean, last week against Kelvin Benjamin in the end zone on the Panthers game, um, you know, Rasul Douglas is targeted one-on-one. He gets up and makes the play. So, look, again, I'm not saying Ronald Darby is not talented. I'm saying Rasul Douglas has been better than expected, and maybe they didn't want to play him this early on, but he is playing now, and he is a, and he is a third-round pick. That's really a fourth round pick, but that's a debate for another day. But stop, stop, <laughs> stop, stop. But stop. but regardless, my point is, I think I think fans are way overhyping Ronald Darby here. I mean, let's not forget he had that interception in his first preseason game. Then he got smoked down the field by Devontae Parker. So Ronald Darby is an average cornerback with elite tools, but he's never really turned that into elite play, at least not last year. So I just think when you look at the fact that the cornerbacks are playing better and the fact that Ronald Darby's not as good as people think, I don't see him coming in and taking this defense to a much higher level. Yeah, good point. I mean, that's a good point. And th- as they move forward with this thing, the more options that he they have back there, that Jim Schwartz has, the better off they could be um, You know, in these games down the stretch. Uh, at Rogue underscore zero, hashtag the No Huddle Show. He asked if Matt Collins was on the verge of taking a starting job. Matt keeps making some plays. Uh, Matt, what do you think of this kid's progression? I mean, I don't think they're going to just bench Torrey Smith or do anything major, but I could see them working him more into the mix uh, as this year goes on. And maybe Doug looks to add a little more creative wrinkle into the offense. Yeah, I remember back when they traded a third round pick in Jordan Matthews to the Bills for Ronald Darby thinking that Matt Collins in a year or so, and I think, Elliot, you and I might have talked about it in one of the preview shows or the recap shows of the trade back in August. I remember thinking that Matt Collins is essentially Jordan Matthews but with more speed. So I think that when we look at what's happened with Torrey Smith, his inability to catch the football, and that he hasn't really lived up to the expectations that maybe the organization had going in, he only had, what, two targets the other night against the Carolina Panthers? I think he played less than 15 offensive snaps. I I think you're starting to see a reduction in Torrey Smith's role, and I think it's only a matter of time until Matt Collins starts to see a steadier workload. I'm with you, you, Joe. I don't think that he's going to be an overnight starter starter. I don't think he's going to wrestle the starting job away overnight from Torrey Smith, but I think you could see him get targeted four or five times a game consistently over the next couple of weeks. I could see them working him into the offense because that speed's a real asset, and if he can catch the football and, and he's young and you can develop him, I, I don't know that I would play Torrey Smith over Matt Collins consistently for the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, look, the Eagles would love if Matt Collins won the job over Torrey Smith because then you can just cut Torrey Smith this offseason and save, for, uh, for, I think it's $5 million bucks. That being said, I, don't, I think he's going to hold on to the starting job. Um, I think Torrey Smith has not played very well, but, you know, Matt Collins also hasn't really – I mean, I know he showed some signs against the Panthers, but he also hasn't really done a ton. Um, and I think it's going to take a lot for them to bench Torrey Smith. Uh, I think maybe you see him to t- start to get a little more time, but – I, I still think Torrey Smith is a pretty strong hold on this uh, on the other starting receiving job. Now, not that he's earned it. I just think that they, they're not going to want to bench him. I think in general, the outside receivers have been disappointing, um, but I think they're pretty they're pretty set with Alshon and Torrey as their outside guys. All right, let's wrap with this. Let's let's look ahead here. I know you guys will do a preview podcast for the Redskins game later in the week. Monday Night Football, Redskins coming in, start of a three-game homestand. And we mentioned earlier, a lot of home games coming up, four of the next five. What's the one thing from each of you, and I'll give mine, you're looking forward to or is kind of on the top of your head you're thinking about? Uh, Elliot, I know you're always thinking of hypotheticals and things moving forward. <laughs> They're 5-1. and one. All things are kind of coming up Eagles right now. What's the next thing you have that you're looking forward to to see if they can accomplish or do? 
So the thing I'm looking forward to the most is just seeing how this team reacts to being a number one seed. And honestly, just seeing Carson Wentz grow and watching him continue to play. Um, but I'll say, to take that question a little bit differently, the one thing I think I want to see from this team in terms of just improving and you know, to taking the next step from where they are already is I want to see two things. One, I want to see him and Alshon, speaking of Wentz, uh, Wentz and Alshon get on the same page. Uh, I mean, I still think they're, they are just – they're not on the same page, and they're 5-1, and one, but I think in order to win these games, they're going to need better play from the outside receiver down the stretch, and I think I want to see that. And two, um, I'm not as sold as everyone else is that they're a good running team yet. Uh, against the Panthers, when they needed to close that game out, they weren't able to run the ball really the third or fourth quarter. Um, I think they had four yards on their last four attempts um, over the last quarter and a half. So. Uh, I want to see them be able to run the ball more consistently. So those are two things that going forward, both in the Redskins game and, and, and beyond, they're going to need to do to kind of reach the expectations and some of the uh, goals we all, we all think are capable, uh, capable of doing now. Matt, what's, uh, what's on your mind as you look forward here? Five and one. We didn't expect them to be here, but here they are. No hiccups. I mean, I, I look at this Redskin game and initially Thursday night coming off the adrenaline of, of how they won that game. I thought they'd blow the Redskins out. I don't know. They blow them out. I think they win the game, but it's going to be a lot closer. I, I, maybe even one score late in the fourth quarter. But how many times have we seen Eagles teams or teams across the NFL? Denver did it this weekend against the Giants. How many times have we seen a team slip up and lose a game that they should win? Like a game against the Niners, a game against Mitch Trubisky and the Bears, uh, you know, a game against the Giants at MetLife later on in the year when they were, won't have all that much to play for and you have to avoid them playing the role of spoiler on your season. I want to see the Eagles continue to win those games. You're going to lose to a Seattle team or a Rams team or an Oakland team or even Dallas somewhere along the line. But I think the mark of a true championship caliber team is you don't slip up against opponents that you should beat. So if the Eagles can, you know, sweep teams like San Francisco and the Bears and win those very winnable football games, take care of business against the Giants, then then I think that that's what I want to see next because we've seen them go toe to toe against playoff teams. We've seen them take care of business against teams like the Cardinals and the Chargers early on. Let's see that keep up. And then just to play off of that, the one thing I think we interested to see is if they do lose one of those games, because they are going to do it. I think we can all agree. There's going to be a game they lose this year that mm -hmm. they're not supposed to. That just is what it is. I want to see if, if how they deal with the adversity of that. I mean, let's say they do lose to the bears you know, do they, do they then come back and reel off three straight wins? If they lose to the Niners, do they, you know, smash the opponent they play the following week? The game, the game, they're, they're going to lose a game they're not supposed to. To me, what I'll be interested to see is how they deal with it after that happens. I'll go the opposite to wrap us up. I am fascinated to see if a team that wasn't supposed to be great handles running away with things. I, I look at the standings. I look at the way this year's going for the Giants, for the Cowboys with the Elliott suspension looming. If they beat the Redskins on Monday night, I know it still will be nine games left in the season. You could you could paint a picture where they run away with the NFC East. I, I can't even imagine, just based on this team, what we thought of them, if they walk in December really with things wrapped up. How do they handle that? Like, how do they mm – -hmm. do they still play hard every week? Do they still – you know, and then are they not – are they out of sync when January comes? It's a weird – Storyline I never thought we'd say. Talk, yeah, I was going to say, talk about a problem we would have never listed 
right in the, in the preview pod how they'll handle being having the division wrapped up in week 13 <laughs> yeah that is something none of us uh, thought would happen it, it probably still won't they'll probably come back to the pack but should be fun guys enjoy the week and uh and i'll catch up with you after monday night football big one eagles redskins next week ellie thanks for doing this yeah and just just one more thing before i say bye i have a new goal for reviews i want to get to 200 reviews by the dallas game so we're at 133 or 134 now now. yeah we're at 133 134 they've been pretty consistent so if you listen to the podcast and you enjoyed it you can just hop in the mentions tell me why i was right about the ronald darby thing and just leave those five star reviews so i'm trying to get to 200 by the dallas game that's my new goal Yes, right. we are. 200 <laughs> reviews by Dallas. I think we could do that. We got three straight home games uh, and a bye, and then Dallas. We'll get those 66 reviews. iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere you listen to podcasts, we're there. Thank you uh, for leaving those, uh, those five-star reviews. And, Matt, thanks for doing this. Looking forward to next time. Everyone have a great week. We'll talk to you next time on the No Huddle Show. <laughs> <laughs>